The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, my name is Maureen Metcalf, and this is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, we're talking to Brian Robertson, the founder and CEO of CEO of Holacracy One, an experienced entrepreneur and organizational pioneer, and also the author of Holacracy, the new management system for a rapidly changing world, along with Alexis Gonzalez-Black, who's the founder of Thoughtful Organization Partners, that's a consultancy specializing in transforming companies with traditional management hierarchies to adaptive models like Holacracy, and also um, helping companies become agile both nimble, agile, and agile as a methodology. Today, Brian and Alexis are going to talk about their experience in creating and implementing holacracy in some of the most progressive organizations like Zappos, although we won't limit the conversation to that. During this show, we're going to talk about kind of the organization of the future and how holacracy fills that need. Over the series of shows, we've talked about Leadership 2050, what's changing between now and 2050, what kind of leaders we need to move us in that direction, and also what kind of organizations will help us thrive between now and then. Um, the, the show is only an hour, so it's more of a teaser about holacracy than it is a full-blown how-to, but it'll give you a great foundation for understanding what it is, uh, how it uh, is different than a traditional hierarchical organization, and what are the significant advantages you get when using this kind of approach to running a business versus traditional management. And also kind of talk about some of the um, misconceptions that I've heard along the way about what it is and what it isn't. I met Brian years ago actually in his first um, Holacracy class that he conducted with the public and have loved the ideas ever since, so I'm delighted to have him joining us for one of our early shows. As we've talked about in the past, in this Voice America series, my intent is to provide valuable information to current leaders and emerging leaders about the trends that we're seeing in our world, what leadership needs to do to change, to stay current, to meet those trends, get ahead of them, and have a strategic advantage by doing so. To do that, as leaders, we need to actually update how we lead to meet the challenges we're facing and, and stay ahead of the curve. So I invite everyone to think of one or two things that has that you hear while listening to Brian and Alexis today 
that you might want to pilot in your world, kind of taking on the mind of a scientist. If I treat my leadership skills like I treat my golf swing and I'm continuing to experiment and improve, then what do I hear this week that I might want to refine or test and see what kind of impact I get through those experiments? So I hope that you leave with both a very clear understanding of what holacracy is, some of the benefits that uh, clients have received by implementing it, and also some ideas about how you might improve yourself, your leadership, or your organization based on what you hear today. So enough of me. We're going to go to Brian and Alexis and start with some of your backgrounds, and then we'll talk about holacracy. So, Brian, how about if I throw it over to you to start? Sure. Uh, just looking for kind of my, my whirlwind tour of uh, who I am and how I got here, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can start. Uh, so I'm an entrepreneur and have been for quite some time. Uh, and I started actually my my uh, first software company uh, with just this driving sense that there's got to be a better way to do this. I had been in other companies before that had, uh, you know, were, were actually pretty good places to work, but all of them left me feeling like I, I couldn't take all of the insights I had, all of the perspectives I had, and drive change with them. There was always something in the way. Uh, there was either bosses that didn't quite get it, or uh, just painful meetings, and it was just too difficult to change things, or uh, the politics, the bureaucracy, whatever it was. There was always something in the way uh, of me using the, the insights I had to improve things. So uh, I didn't feel, despite it being a great environment in, in some of these companies, I never felt like I was really well used by the organization. And uh, I started a company largely to experiment. So for me, the, the kind of entrepreneurial drive was uh, partly just to find a better way to, to work, right? I wanted a better environment. I wanted a way that anyone that worked there could use their gifts to the fullest to, to drive this company forward. Uh, and over the, the years that followed, we just experimented. And Holacracy is what eventually emerged from that. Um, but uh, it, it really was, in, in the early days, uh, just kind of us trying to find a better way to run a company uh, and experimenting with a lot of different ideas and methods and techniques, a lot of stuff out there, pioneering some of our own. And uh, over the years, Holacracy kind of developed. Um, and now, uh, it's about past about eight years, uh, we've been out there spreading it to the rest of the world. Uh, helping other companies, you know, use this new, uh, as we say, social technology for how we work together and how we get work done uh, to, to you know, create some, some more effective uh, work environments that are more agile, more responsive uh, at scale uh, without uh, putting, putting entrepreneurs in the position that uh, sometimes they are, where they're kind of the center of everything and can't take a vacation <laughs> uh, and uh, actually allow for a more empowering work environment. So that's what I do. Cool. Thank you. And Alexis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I came to this work um, at Zappos, and I was a part of the uh, talent recruitment team at Zappos at the time. And the Holacracy was just beginning to get piloted or rolled out at Zappos. And just at first, like my first taste of Holacracy, sitting in the room and learning about this and being a part of the pilot group, it immediately resonated with kind of the way that I had tried to conduct myself personally in my career um, over the course of my entire career. I had uh, never, you know, really, um, I had never really sort of fallen into the like proper manager-manager relationship. I always found myself 
trying to kind of stretch the boundaries of the work that I was doing, um, reaching outside of that, and, you know, trying to sort of manage myself. And so when I learned about philosophy, I remember thinking, wow, this really aligns with, like, the way that I try to conduct myself in companies and in, in business. And um, so as through that experience, being a part of the pilot group, I, you know, just really fell in love with the idea. Um, I thought it was, you know, just a great comprehensive system that uh, gave a lot of structure to people to help them sort of break out of the traditional manager relationships and really embrace self-management, embrace managing themselves and kind of reaching beyond their boundaries to create a bigger impact in the company. And I really love that about it. So I quickly became a part of the Holacracy implementation team at Zappos. And for the last two and a half years at Zappos um, was helping to roll out Holacracy to the rest of the company. And um, part of that was sort of creating this group of 80 plus facilitators and advocates to kind of carry forward that change in the organization. So that was my charge. Um, And then left a few months ago to start my own consultancy. And so now I help companies uh, you know, make that transition themselves into more sort of adaptive and responsive forms of organization. And it's, you know, become my life's work, which is really exciting. It, it sounds wonderful that you are taking what you've learned and putting it to work in such a generative way. So yeah, it's all, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So what is holacracy? <laughs> Alexis, you want to Brian, I'll let you Sorry. take. I'll let you take that one. What is holacracy? <laughs> uh, yeah. So there are a number of ways you can you can describe it and think about it. Uh, I use the metaphor of a social technology. Uh, in other words, it's a new way for people to work together. It's an overall approach or a system uh, for organizing a company. And uh, really, it achieves the same things we right now look to a management hierarchy to achieve. It just does it in different ways. So if you look at what we look to managers, at least theoretically, what managers should be doing in a, a typical management hierarchy, they should be breaking down the work right, and making clear who does what, what are the different functions we need here, and how do they work together. Uh, they should be integrating across those functions and evolving who does what uh, in response to whatever we're learning along the way. They should be holding people accountable. They should be, uh, you know, all, all of the, the the basics of breaking down the work that we look for in a hierarchy, uh, except, of course, many managers don't actually do that all that well. <laughs> they instead micromanage. Uh, but what Holacracy does is basically replace that management hierarchy with an alternate mechanism to do the same things, to break down work, to make clear who does what, to integrate across different roles on a team, to hold people accountable. All of those things are done differently with Holacracy and in a way that doesn't rely on that single point of failure of a manager on a team, but instead gives everyone in the team a process, a mechanism through a process to do that work, to break down work, to get clear on who's accountable for what, all that stuff. Uh, so it, it's an overall end-to-end new system or approach for how to structure, govern, and run a company. So what's the benefit if, say I have good managers, I'm not one of those companies that has, has the bad ones. Um, why would I invest the effort in transitioning to holacracy? Um, help me understand what's the, the business case to do this. Ironically, I think most of the companies that 
uh, move to holacracy are not ones with bad managers. <laughs> um, they're, they're ones that actually are pretty good managers uh, and have realized there's still a limit of, of how far you can go with that system. There, there is no such thing as a, a perfect manager, a, a heroically, uh, insanely awesome manager. Uh, it's to use a metaphor, uh, you know, people may have really good parents, but there's comes a time where the most powerful thing they can do in life is still grow up, move out of their parents' house, and lead their own life and figure out how to be a more autonomous adult that takes more responsibility for their own work, their own life, and all that. And I, I think a lot of the companies so far that have adopted Holacracy are actually, they're companies like Zappos and others that are really doing awesome. They're inspiring examples of, of how good companies can be. Um, and for them, it, it's a sense of what's next. Uh, you know, how could we be more effective? How can we be more responsive? Those are some of the things I often hear. More responsive, more agile, more uh, allow. Uh, the word empowerment comes up, although, although I think that word is is off. It's it's about allowing people more capacity, more ability to lead their pieces of the system, to drive forward, be more entrepreneurial. Um, you know, find and use more power, more more leadership in their work. Uh, and the management hierarchy, even with good managers, often gets in the way of that. It often crushes that. Um, you know, when when you have that kind of structure, it often sends people a message that is, you know, do what you're told instead of be entrepreneurial, be creative, and you know, lead. You're part of the system. Uh, be an adult. You know, it, it kind of says, no, you're the child. The manager's the adult. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think it's and it's the really manager's awesome. job is to check and. Put me yeah. back in line if I'm doing something wrong. Absolutely, it's a parent-child archetypal relationship, and and you know, it it kind of gets what it it expects too, right? When you have a structure that does that, you you sometimes get people acting like kids, and <laughs> and you know, if you want a kid to act like an adult, uh, the best way to do it isn't have a parent breathing down their neck and trying to empower them, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's to allow them to go find their own leadership, strength, power, sense of self, and and just go be an adult in the world. Uh, Holacracy equips them with the tools to do that uh, while putting in some safeguards to make sure the organization doesn't go to chaos in the process. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would jump in and, and just, you know, say, agree with that, that it's not that Zappos has some kind of soul-crushing culture. It was quite the opposite, right? Zappos has long been kind of known for its dynamic and, you know, just family, incredible, wowing culture of customer service. And, you know, we really love coming to work. It's not like everybody was, like, dreading coming to work. And so it certainly wasn't the catalyst that brought us to Holacracy was that, you know, we had that sort of challenge of uh, bad management or, you know, I mean, of course, as you build up structure, you always have uh, those kinds of, like, bureaucratic challenges. But I think it was much more of, like, unlocking the potential of our employees, that we had hired these incredibly dynamic, brilliant people who were, you know, ready to carry forth the purpose and the mission of Zappos. And then we stuck them in a structure that limited their ability to impact anything. And so they were sort of stuck in these places in, uh, in the corporate structure and weren't able to really, like, follow their passion and get the most out of, you know, what they wanted to do with Zappos. And, and that was kind of one of the first quick uh, wins that we saw of the Holacracy transition was there were a lot of people who were just freed up, in a sense, to go and to stretch out and to leverage their passion and impact across the company in ways they hadn't been able to before. Um, and it's good for people to be able to do that, and it's good for business, right? Uh, if people can, you know, can contribute more and to add more value and just bring their full 
passion for. So I, that's much more sort of the story of, of why that was adopted. Okay, so so what I hear is then it's a way of structuring the work that that changes the role of manager, changes the role of employees, but we still have clear tasks and deliverables, assignments, accountabilities. It's not anarchy. It's not chaos. It's not I show up and do whatever I feel like doing because I set my own workload. We're still working in an appropriately structured I'm accountable to my team, not just my manager. Is that an accurate summation? Yeah, I'd say it's more structured, not less, than traditional management hierarchy. It's just we get to the structure in a different way, and it's much more agile and dynamic structure that actually learns with the team, that changes as the team learns. I think people were very surprised by that. Um, I think in the beginning when we, you know, did the intro to holacracy, we were like, no more managers and no more titles. And everybody was like, yes, you know, like freedom. Um, And then they got into holacracy and they realized that, like, it's actually more structure. And that was sort of like a whiplash moment for us of like, wow, this is, you know, beginning to make all of these sort of implicit rules and accountabilities and all these things that we've just operated by. Uh, beginning to make those explicit and to, you know, actually create a, a living document that captures all of the activity of our company, that was, it was hard work in the beginning. And it, it felt like a lot of structure and it felt almost like more structure than we had had before. And like Brian said, over time, that sort of begins to fade into the background and it enables, you know, much more smoother operations and, you know, you begin to forget about all of that structure once you have it. Um, but the the first six months to a year of just building that actually feels like a lot more structure than prior. So, so it's a liberating structure then. It is through that structure that I know what I'm doing. I, I don't lose um, energy doing the things that frustrate many of us, trying to track things down, figure out why someone didn't do what they needed, all of that stuff. And because the work is, because of the accountabilities, and the clarity of work that we're actually more effective. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go to break. Uh, this is Maureen Metcalf with Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Our guests are Brian and Alexis, and we're talking about holacracy. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf with Brian and Alexis. The show is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We're talking about the uh, governing approach of holacracy, and specifically, Alexis was involved in the implementation at Zappos, and she's talking about how the implementation went at, at the early phases and how working within the system provided a liberating structure for them to work going forward. So let's shift a little bit. One of the things I understand that, about holacracy is there are some other fundamental ideas like dynamic steering and making decisions by consent rather than consensus. Can you tell us a little bit about how those two concepts impact the way people get their work done? Uh, yeah, so I, I can start. Uh, we actually don't use consent in holacracy. That was actually a, a far earlier version of it, uh, but it is oh. a, a, a misconception that spreads around, uh, unfortunately, still uh, from, from times past. Uh, it, it's a little different, it's, and it's definitely not consensus. Uh, uh, the way I'd say it, uh, a couple of couple of points you can look at in holacracy. One, most decisions are made autocratically. Uh, just like in any company, most decisions are made by one person using their judgment to get something done. Uh, the, the difference is with holacracy, it's a distributed autocracy. It's not just up the management hierarchy, they have to be pleased with the decision or they'll countermand it. With holacracy, the focus is on clarifying who makes which decision, right? So in my company, you know, the guy doing the website knows that he has the final say autocratically on everything about the website. And I know that I do our trainings and I have the final say autocratically about any decisions of what content goes in the training. Someone else has the decision about what venue to use for our trainings, et cetera. So uh, again, it's actually a lot like society, right? I know that when it comes to my house, uh, I have the say. I don't have to come to consensus with my neighbors or even get their consent before I decorate my house. Uh, but I also know not to go decorate my neighbor's house because, you know, something would be a little weird. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So what Holacracy does is clarify decision rights, who makes which decisions, uh, and what do we expect from each other? Because if if we're going to give people real authority, it better come with some accountability. Um, and to do that breakdown, that's where we, we use a group process that gives everyone a voice. Uh, but it's not a consensus process. It's uh, it has an interesting structure to it. Uh, there's there's some rules of the game, so to speak, of how we we do that. We call it a governance process, uh, where we break down the work and figure out who's going to make which decisions and have what authority. Um, and that one, it's uh, it's hard to describe. We call it integrative decision making. It does give everyone a voice, uh, but it, it's really grounded in the purpose of the organization, the needs of the work and the roles. Uh, so that it doesn't allow personalities to dominate. Uh, it doesn't allow you know uh, one person who's the loudest voice in the room to to run away with the meeting or whatever. It's a pretty disciplined uh, meeting process that we use to break down that work. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting hybrid where everyone has a voice in that process, 
of how we break down authority, but then in the execution of authority, most decisions are made by one person who's free to get whatever input they want from their team, but knows that at the end of the day, they have the, the responsibility to make the decision here. Um, so it, it's it's uh, very different than most of the decision-making methods we're used to in organization today. Um, and uh, maybe, uh, Alexis, do you want to tackle that, that first question? Yeah. yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to add just one thing that I was yeah, thinking please. about as you talked, which is um, at Zappos, two sort of questions became um, like sort of holacracy buzzwords when it came to making decisions. And they're the same kind of two questions that I use when I do implementations with other companies, and they just seem to be really sticky. And those two questions are, is it safe enough to try, and does anyone have any objections? And so those two questions we find like really transform the way people make decisions because instead of thinking like, am I thinking about everything? Is there any chance that anything could go wrong here? Like what might happen or what's the worst case scenario? Like rather than trying to play out all those sort of scenarios, asking yourself, is it safe enough to try? Like realistically, given everything that I know, is it safe enough to try? And what we found is that the answer is usually yes, which is like, such a better way to get ideas off the ground rather than like trying to labor over every negative thing that might happen um, in the future saying, is it safe enough to try and knowing and being confident that like, if anything does happen, we can come back to the table and we can change it right away. Um, so yeah. that question like really permeated like the adoption at Zappos and at some of the other companies that I work with. And then the second question is, are there any objections? And uh, Brian, I know you call this out in your book, too, but it's the difference between saying, like, does everyone here agree on the solution that we've proposed versus saying, are there any objections, which is a very different question. It's not, does everybody agree? Does everybody consent to this? Does everybody think this is a good idea? Because that may not be true, but if you don't have any serious objections, like valid, serious objections, then we're going to move forward with it. And that also was a very is a very sort of transformative tool in the way that we talk about decision-making that we found is very useful with the companies that we work with. Yeah, and I can add to that that with Holacracy, there's a very specific definition of objection and some criteria for it, uh, and and that keeps it uh, uh, really, really tight, really, really focused. So you can't just yeah. say, yes, I object because I don't like it. You know, uh, th this is in the governance process. If you're going to raise an objection to someone else's proposal, uh, it, it needs to be, it needs to meet some criteria like you have an actual case where it's limiting your work or this proposal would limit your work and you can explain why and argue it. So it's not just a, I don't think it's the best idea or, you know, it doesn't solve my issue. It, it's, it's really got to be grounded in, here's a tangible reason why your proposal will cause harm in my work. And you got to be able to explain why. Uh, and then there's some other criteria in there as well uh, that keeps it really dynamic to your first question, Maureen, about dynamic steering. Uh, keeps the whole way we're, we're organizing and working out of the analysis paralysis of trying to think through every possible contingency and make everything perfect up front and allows us to have a bias towards action or towards trying things. You know, so Somebody can just say, hey, you know, here's a way I think we need to change our team structure. And instead of asking everyone else, trying to get everyone else bought in and agreed uh, or make sure they're comfortable with it, the question is just, do you see any reasons that will cause harm or move us backwards? Or is it safe enough to try so that we can get some more data and see if this resolves the issue? Uh, which keeps it really grounded and really um, what we call tension-driven. So instead of designing the whole company from our heads, we're, we're grounding in what are we experiencing together? 
Uh, what tensions are we feeling, are we sensing, and in, in stuff that's getting in the way of the work? And how do we get them out of the way so that we can actually dynamically adapt uh, quickly with a bias towards try it and then learn as we go? Yeah. So I want to give an example here because I saw you do this brilliantly uh, years ago. We were looking at a reorganization. There was, through the group process, the proposed organization was raised. There was one person who did have an objection because he was worried that through this new structure, he would have less access to the founder than he had currently. He would be working for someone else. And so I believe, as I recall, we ended up going, trying, testing, piloting the new structure. And we set a set of measures that if, how would we know it was working? How would we know it was not working? So the objection was, if we make this change, the lack of access will impede my ability to do my work. Not it will reduce my status, not I won't like this new guy, but I can't get the work done as well. The measure was over the next month, let's measure your work and see where this structure has helped and where it's hindered, and then we can revisit. So back to that mind of a scientist that we're continually testing. So I don't have to discover if it's going to ruin my life, I I test it, and the unintended consequences surface as we're measuring. So it feels like a much more scientific approach than a predict and and control approach. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really accurate description. It's, you know, experiment and adapt. Yeah, I hear a lot of companies um, come to me and say, like, we know we should be doing MVPs. We know we should be doing, like, bullets. And, and, you know, and then cannonballs borrow from Jim Collins, good to great. Um, people know this is like regular business knowledge that we should be rapidly iterating. We should be getting MVPs out there. We should be, you know, shooting bullets. Everyone knows they should be doing that, but everybody is bad at doing that. So people come <laughs> out of the woodwork and they're like, you know, we're trying to do this, but we are, you know, phenomenally bad at doing this. We like labor over decisions. It's so hard for us to get a product out to market quickly. It's hard for us to to iterate. And it's because even though the ideas are great, they don't have the structure to manage that process. And kind of the the trust of the holacracy system or your faith in the holacracy system is that you know that if something doesn't work in a week, two weeks from now, you can come back to the table and you can change it. And that's just like a fundamental mindset shift that takes place when you move into a self-organized system or a holacracy is that you know that not every decision has to be the final decision. And through practice, you sort of gain trust in that, and you're much more able to sort of do what you know you always should have been doing, which is the keys out and, you know, shooting bullets before cannonballs. And so we find that, you know, it's not the lack of ideas. Companies have great ideas. They have great innovators. They have brilliant people. But it's just having that structure and being able to say, like, I know and I feel with confidence that I can get this out. And then I can revisit it if it doesn't work, right? If the data points that this is this is not a good decision, um, and and that's really important for innovation and for companies. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I love the point of it gives you a framework or a process to do things that, frankly, most people know are good ideas and we need to do anyway. Uh, and that points to also the challenge of a lot of approaches uh, when companies decide they want to move towards more self-organization or whatever else. It's not enough just to tell people 
okay, go, self-organize, or, you know, okay, you're empowered now, great, go, you know, that, that doesn't change anything. What what often people need is, is uh, give me a framework to help me actually do it. Uh, and, and that's what Holacracy really is. It's a set of processes and rules of the game and systems that allow all of those good ideas to actually happen. Uh, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's providing some guide rails uh, for, for, for these, these needed functions in most organizations today. So, Alexis, I want to go back to you for just a second because you made some references that not everyone will understand, the bullets and cannonballs. Can you <laughs> Yeah, so this was, um, we read one of the sort of on the company reading list at Zappos was Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, um, and Great by Choice, I think. Great the, by Choice, the second the one book. Then, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah Great by Choice, um, yeah. And uh, in it, it talks about how you should fire bullets before cannonballs, which is simply the idea that you should shoot off sort of small iterations, low-risk iterations. You should, you know, get ideas out there to market. And then, like you said, with, you know, that sort of scientific approach, refine, go back to the lab, you know, test your hypothesis and continue to reinvent and iterate until you're ready to launch your cannonball. Um, And so this is, you know, a long known business concepts that a lot of people have been talking about for years and people really want to be able to do it, um, but are sort of constrained by the operating system that they have where they don't feel like they can, you know, experiment or they don't feel like they can take risks. They feel like it's, you know, too, uh, that they would have to invest too many resources. They have to get, you know, gain too much consensus, have to do too much work to really just try stuff and to feel comfortable doing that. And so, yeah, to what Brian said, this gives a sort of framework for people to be able to, you know, shoot off those bullets and to sort of get stuff, smaller ideas off the ground and then come back to the lab and, you know, iterate as data comes in. So last week's show, we talked about innovation and having a portfolio of ideas that we're testing. So, so that idea of what are the, what's the suite of, possible solutions that will move us forward. And, in, in fact, Holacracy came up as the governing approach that matches the, the idea that, as a company, I now need to be innovating continually, that I can't implement an innovation and five years later come back with something else, but that multiple concurrent changes in our world require me to have multiple concurrent innovations that I'm piloting, so those bullets, I identify which ones will be my big wins through collecting data, and then I fire the cannonball. But I can't do that using traditional organizational structures. It just doesn't work. We're not yeah. set up that way. Is yeah, that an fact, accurate estimation? I, I think so. I would say the existing organizational structures actually fight that. Uh, they're built around a different paradigm. It's um, sometimes when you try to be more dynamic and more agile and uh, you know, uh, all that in a company, it, it's almost like the corporate antibodies come out and attack this foreign, strange way of working, right? It's uh, the whole structure behind organizations today is, is really built on, it's built to thrive in a more static environment where you can figure out the right structure, put it in place, and then just control everything for that to fight change. Um, and that worked fine, actually, in the world up until you know some uh, recent uh, couple of decades where things started changing faster than our organizations could handle. Um, and, and I think that the management hierarchy is simply becoming obsolete. Uh, we need more agile, more dynamic ways to run our organizations today. 
so it fit the old industrial revolution paradigm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So why don't we go to break here at, at a logical point. This is Maureen Metcalf with Brian and Alexis. We are the radio show Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and we're talking about holacracy, the innovative uh, organizational management approach. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. This is Maureen Metcalf with Brian and Alexis talking about holacracy on the show Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. So we've talked about some of the differences between holacracy and traditional governing approaches and how we might use it to manage a suite of innovations to respond to a a fast-moving market. But it sounds like a massive amount of change. Alexis, you talked about the first six months of the implementation. For some organizations, that sounds like way too much. So what are some steps that I might consider to test this? How would I move forward if I'm interested? Yeah, yeah. and the six, I'll, I'll jump in and say the six-month thing, that is, that's short. Um, that yeah. is now three years into uh, this sort of transition, or two and a half years, I guess, into this transition. And it's still working every day to, you know, become a self-sufficient holocratic organization. So the road is definitely long, and that's because it is a fundamental shift in the way that we think about work and how we work. And for 
so many of us that have spent our entire professional careers working in one structure that was handed down to us from our parents and their parents. And, you know, it is a complete 180. And so you have to, you know, start with educating folks with, um, you know, beginning to get rid of old habits and build a new suite of skills and habits that will serve you in a self-organized environment. So, yes, it is, you know, six months would be a miracle implementation. Uh, it would be very <laughs> short. Um, and the road to real self-organization is long, but I will say that that is where, that's the future of work, right? And so I, I think for companies that are thinking about the investment of time, it is, it's a valuable investment of time because when you think five years, 10 years from now, uh, the, you know, uh, the market is going to look completely differently. You know, uh, Brian was talking about how fast change happens now. And, you know, things are going to be different. And if you don't set up the start setting up the structure now to be able to respond to those things, um, then you might find yourself obsolete, you know, in five or ten years. So, yes, yeah, it's a long it's a long trip, um, but it is well worth it. Yeah, I'd, I'd add, uh, I was also laughing at the six months uh, being a long time. Uh, thing it's it's which is the mindset I run into all the time. I think you're spot on, Maureen. Uh, th- there's a, a mindset that you know change should be fast and easy like that, or something's wrong. And I see it in the press's response to Zappos as if you know this should have been all completely done and everything perfect and beautiful by now. And um, I, I think David Allen nailed it. Uh, he's the author of the book Getting Things Done, and he wrote the foreword to my book. Uh, and his company also uses Holacracy. And in the forward, he says flat out, he one of his realizations in the beginning was this is at least a five-year journey. And I think he was spot on. Um, another client of ours, uh, a company called Precision Nutrition, they're in the business of helping people change uh, diet and exercise, uh, nutrition habits and practices. And he has a great quote that he applied to that work, the process of changing your, your body, but also to adopting something so fundamental like holacracy. He said, you know, most people uh, overestimate the difficulty, but underestimate the time. And uh, I, I found that that's true with myself. I actually went through their program as a client. I lost 40 pounds. And, you know, I thought it was going to be this massive daunting change. It scared me. I almost didn't start because it, it seemed so big. Uh, and yet when I did start, I, I found it actually wasn't nearly as hard as I thought. Um, I just had to kind of show up each day and work at it a little bit. And, you know, I kind of go through some new habits and practices. And, and uh, But it did take longer, right? It, it was excruciatingly long. It was, you know, I'd, I'd go a week or two, I'd lose a pound. And that was just a little frustrating, except those pounds add up over, over a year or two. Um, and with Holacracy, it, it's, it's very similar. It's, it sounds like a massive daunting change when you compare, you know, a typical management hierarchy to a truly self-organizing, uh, you know, peer-to-peer distributed authority structure, because it is a night and day difference. But the process of getting there, it doesn't have to be daunting and scary. It just starts with a single step. You know, if you want to play World Cup soccer, you, you don't start by stressing out about how you're going to be a World Cup athlete. You just go play soccer, right? You just do it, whatever level you're at. And you, you might have six-year-olds playing soccer and it's sloppy and it's messy, but they're getting practice and they're getting experience and they're building skill. And, and you just expect that journey to take a long time because it really is a, a, a deeply uh, uh, fundamental journey. It's a big change. And I think that's true very much with Holacracy. Um, and, y- you know, it, it's um, it's like anything, this disruptive. I, I think, uh, Alexis, your point was really spot on that if companies don't do something 
they are risking being disrupted, even in the very way they operate. And uh, in that way, you can say holacracy is a disruptive technology, which is what makes it such a big shift um, and so scary and so easy to say, no, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, and it's telling, I think, that the companies that have switched to it are not ones that are, are really suffering and struggling. They're companies like Zappos and others that are actually doing phenomenally well and I think realize that if they don't shift something, uh, they're risking missing a, a shift to a, a disruptive social technology, uh, a better way of organizing and working that uh, simply aligns better with the needs of the world today. Uh, so. so I completely get that from the consultant side, right? Because I do consulting as well, and I have a sense of what it takes for an organization to change and grow leaders and stuff. And from my client side, they would say, we're trying to meet customer needs on a regular basis. We're already implementing a ton of change, and that seems to be nonstop. I'm not sure I can add one more thing, and I still need to produce results. We still have employees who want to make a living, and we need to produce revenue to keep them all employed. We've got clients to whom we've made commitments. We need to honor those. So taking a long time may be okay as long as I'm able to meet all of his commitments and I'm showing continual progress so it's not terribly disruptive for five years. Yeah, and, and I think that's, I mean, to use my, my own example of, uh, I travel a lot, you know, I do a lot of long days, training, consulting, whatever, and uh, when I went to, to lose weight and transform my own, you know, physical uh, self, I, I I didn't have to stop doing work, you know, I, I couldn't. Um, and that's the beauty of the change process. I had to put some attention into it every day, and I had to put some effort in. There was never a good time to do it. I kept waiting, right? You know, let me do this when I, <laughs> yeah, I have time I. to do this, right? Well, that doesn't work. You know, there's never a good time. There will never be a better time. It's a bad time anytime to make a, a significant life change. But it didn't take me stopping everything I, I did. It just started taking me making some shifts. The, the big thing it took was just a commitment. It said it took a mental shift to say, I'm going to dive in and I'm just going to do this, you know, and then I made it work with, with all my demands and, and all that. And the same is true of companies adopting Holacracy. Uh, every one of them I work with asks me, you know, when's a good time? And my answer is never. There is never a good time to make a shift to a disruptive system. Um, and yet you don't have to stop what you're doing. You don't have to put everything on halt. Uh, you just have to make a big commitment, a leap to say, we're going to do this. And, and once you do, then you keep doing business. You keep doing everything you're doing now. You just start slowly adding in new habits, new practices uh, to do it differently. And you build skills in that. And it's a multi-year journey, but you're still getting results in the meantime. In fact, you know, with some time, uh, you should be getting those results better uh, as you start getting returns from even simple things like more efficient meetings, which Holacracy adds pretty quickly. Um, so it really starts with the, just that first leap. And I guess it would be useful to point out, before companies make that leap, it's often really useful to get a taste of it, uh, to get an experience directly hands-on. And, and that's my recommendation for any company that's worried about you know, making this, this big change but sees some potential in it. Just get an experience of what it's like. Um, and you can do that in a number of ways. There's public workshops on Holacracy all over that, uh, that give experiential simulations. There's a number of companies, mine included, that do private uh, sessions with executive teams to give them that taste, that experience. Uh, but if, if companies get an experience of a different way of working, they'll have a much better sense of what's really involved in this, this shift. 
Uh, and then it's not just theoretical, it's it's something they've actually experienced, a, a new way of working, even if just for a couple of days, gives them data. So there are small steps. I don't have to jump into some five-year commitment. No. And, and I ask that because I've seen so many companies jump in, start something, then they jump in and start something else. Yeah. Sometimes they kill it in a way that disrupts their employees and the confidence their employees have in them. So there's some way I could learn about this as a leader that will be low risk for me and relatively low cost? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, at, at the least, you could you know buy the book and read it, but I'd really recommend the experience. And, and you don't have to commit to a five-year thing. You have to commit to two days. And the worst case scenario is you take two days, you get a chance to try going through some of your real meetings using a different process. And at the end of those two days, even if you say, holacracy is not for me, you probably leave with some good tips for making your meetings more productive and more efficient, which is a, a pretty good win for you know something that that uh, only took you two days to get to. And and at best, you say, wow, you know, this system really helped us do more in less time with more clarity out at the other side. Maybe it's something we ought to we ought to consider rolling out, even if it, it's going to take a while to fully get there. So I could use something like the integrative decision process, even though I don't do full blown hol- holacracy. Yeah, I think you can. And and at the same time, you know, if you want uh, true transformation, you're going right. to need to probably do more than that. But if you want a more efficient meeting process, then look at that or look at Holacracy's tactical meeting process, which, you know, just helps teams get more done in less time with more clarity. Um, yeah, and, you know. I think there are ways. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there are definitely different skills or practices of Holacracy that you can begin to experiment with and bring into your organization and see immediate value happen. Um, with very little overhead, I think that the path will eventually lead you to ask more and more questions like, all right, like we've done this meeting uh, practice, but now we need more clarity around roles and accountabilities. And so you'll sort of on your own eventually lead you to, you know, more and more sort of uh, adoption of skills and principles. But I think there's, you know, a lot of different places just to begin to dig in and, uh, you know, a few different sort of skill sets like meeting practices um, that you can adopt with pretty low overhead to begin to see some of the value of self-organization. Okay, so I want to then draw the parallel back to your dieting process. I cut out bread, that helped, but that didn't reshape my body. It, it just was the first step, and I could test that, and then I have to do something else that's more systemic than just removing starch from my diet. Yeah. Similar parallel? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and really it's as I learned on my journey with this, it's it's no one thing, you know. I, I can uh, eat healthier carbs, I can eat more slowly, I can eat less. I mean, there's so many different things and there's no one silver bullet is one of the key things I learned. It, it took a whole lot of shifts to add mm-hmm. up to an overall new way of, of showing up and eating and, and you know, using uh, 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 my, my body and, and working out and all that stuff. And so uh, I think the same is true with Holacracy. It's, it's, there's a lot of shifts involved uh, and there's not any one of them that is the silver bullet that will transform your company. It's about doing all of them together that get you this whole new sport. And each one kind of adds to the rest and ties to the rest. Uh, which is again a lot, lot like what it takes to to lose weight by changing your your nutrition and your diet. It's uh, it probably takes more than one silver bullet approach, um, but I think that's the 
the value of having a whole system for it, like Holacracy, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and figure all that out for yourself. You know, you, you just kind of start doing it and you start where you are, you do it the best you can. And, and uh, as long as you're, you're on that path and doing all of these different things, you get better slowly at them. And, and before you know it, you have a completely different way of organizing your company. So we're getting a couple of minutes from wrap-up. Anything else that you want to make sure, as a listener, what would you want to make sure I heard that would give me better information about making that first decision? Where do I go for more information? How do I find you other than, you know, Googling Holacracy? Yeah, uh, one thing worth pointing out is uh, if you Google Holacracy or go to our website, it's very easy to misspell. <laughs> Holacracy is spelled H-O-L-A and not H-O-L-O. So it's H-O-L-A-C-R-A-C-Y.org would be the website. And there's a lot of resources on there. Uh, you can find links to videos and, and uh, more information about uh, adopting it, workshops to give you a taste of it, lots of different stuff. Uh, there's also uh, a network of people out there that help companies with this. Uh, my company included. Alexis does that work. Um, lots yep. of different people out there that uh, that do this. Um, and get a good coach uh, if if you're interested in exploring it. Is uh, it helps so much if you're learning a new sport to have a good coach who's been there before. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I'd say is uh, be careful uh, of what you read in the press. <laughs> There's a lot of misconceptions out there. Uh, like we talked about, Holacracy is more structured, not less. And I think a lot of times when people hear we're throwing out managers or whatever, uh, they miss the important point, which is we're replacing them with a different process that is more structured, more flexible, and, and more dynamic at the same time. Uh, this is not just about throwing out managers. And if you want a more flexible, agile business, don't just throw out managers and think that's going to work. Um, flat is is not what this is about. Um, it's about replacing management hierarchy as a way of breaking down and achieving order with a different set of rules and processes that allow a different way of getting to an ordered, structured company. Uh, actually, more so, more clarity, not less than a traditional hierarchy. Um, and if that excites you, then dive in, uh, uh, take a look, read the book, uh, explore further. <laughs> yeah, I say it just it starts with a conversation. Is you know just the last thing that I would add in there is it may seem like an incredibly daunting and uh, you know just gigantic system to think about, but it starts with a conversation. So you know, contact somebody who's implement the holacracy, reach out to, like Brian said, the network of providers. You can find, you know, me on LinkedIn. You can find me through the holacracy one page. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are doing this work um, who would be happy to sit down and just start talking about what challenges and opportunities are facing your company and how you might be able to use holacracy. So I think just start with a conversation. So I'm going to wrap up here. Thank you very much. Uh, I do want to say get a certified Holacracy coach. I'm sure there are people out there who've read the book and think they do it, and having dealt with some of the nuances myself, these are things that you don't get through reading the book. You really get through going through that implementation more than once and having coaches like Brian who guide you and teach you those skills. So this is Maureen Metcalf. Uh, thank you both, Brian and Alexis, for giving us some more information on Holacracy. Again, H-O-L-A-C-R-A-C-Y dot org. Uh, both Brian, Alexis, and there were several other certified coaches who are highly effective. This 
is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I hope you found something today through this conversation that you might want to try, thinking about the integrative decision-making, thinking about how would I structure my organization to promote a series of small changes rather than the top-down command, predict, control that is often happening and was amazingly successful during the Industrial Revolution, but is not positioned to move us forward effectively. So if you have tried something, please email me, info at metcalf-associates.com. I'd love to hear the experiments you're doing and share them on the air. So thank you very much and enjoy your day. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.